Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group here at RSA Conference 2015 in San Francisco. I'm talking with Chet Wisniewski from Sophos. He's the senior security advisor there. And you focus on a lot of things, Chet, at Sophos, I'm sure. But one of the areas that you've been focused on recently is payment security. And of course, as the U.S. is making this migration toward the EMV chip moving away from the Magstripe, there's been a lot of discussion about how much fraud it's actually going to fix and will we see a migration of fraud. Could you talk a little bit about the security of the EMV chip and whether or not it actually is foolproof? Well, like any technology, it has flaws, and there's been interesting research out of Cambridge University that talks about what some of those flaws are and how they may be exploited by criminals. But when we're comparing it to something like the magnetic stripe, which was uh, you know an IBM standard from the 1960s, I think it's fair to say it's significantly more secure and is a really important move forward for card-present transactions at merchants. The interesting struggle here in the United States around it has been most of the card issuers deciding to issue chip and signature cards as opposed to the internet national standard of chip and pin that everyone else uses. And of course, as long as the signature is still involved, unless we train the clerk at 7-Eleven to validate signatures properly, we're still going to have fraudulent transactions occur. It's just going to be with stolen cards as opposed to copied ones. I'd like for you to talk a little bit too, Chet, about this interesting device that you purchased in Estonia that makes it pretty easy to uh, copy, not all of the information, but some of the information that's saved on a chip. Yeah, I mean, uh, folks have probably heard the term smart card thrown around for many years now for all different reasons. And what's on these credit cards is, in fact, a standard smart card chip, which means there's a lot of commodity devices out there that are able to read and modify the data on those chips, just like we might for an employee ID card or other things that contain that type of chip technology. Now, there's not usually a a good application of having very small USB widgets in your pocket that can do that. And certainly, I've only seen them in markets where we often associate credit card criminals uh, having a lot of their activity. And so I, I was in a Estonia and was able to pick up a pocket chip reader writer that seems designed to conceal and make it very easy to acquire or potentially modify data on these chips. Now, I don't want to suggest that I could use that to copy the chip. We don't have that um, ability yet, and it's possible there's flaws that could allow us to do that in the future. Today, what that allows me to do, though, is get a lot of information about the card holder and, and the card information itself, including all of the data that you would normally think of with a credit card, the numbers on the front, the expiration date, and even more information than you might think is there, like which currency the card was issued at from its issuing bank, or which bank issued it in which country, and when it expires, all these types of things. So there's a lot of information there that can be very useful to crooks, and and these little pocket reader writers are less than 30 US dollars. And easy to find at a corner store. Yeah, I bought the one I bought at an electronics shop. Uh, I mean, I, I did some Googling to find out who had one, but it's not something I've ever seen at an electronics shop in any other country, and they seem more readily available in uh, Estonia. Romania, Moldova, etc., than they are in other places, which might indicate why they're there. Right. Good point. It's something else that, that you mentioned, Chet, that I thought was interesting is that when it comes to the malware that's aimed at retailers in the U.S. and other parts of the world, quite frankly, 55% of the malware incidents that, that you're finding are aimed at the U.S., but that means that we have another 45%, uh, nearly half, that's aimed at point-of-sale devices in other markets. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just because the introduction of chip doesn't make Stripe completely go away. Now, I, you know, most of the banks and uh, countries that have adopted chip have made it more expensive to do a Stripe transaction to encourage merchants 
to uh, always use the chip because of the amount of reduction in fraud. And it is a, a large reduction in card present fraud when chip is, is used. But I, I was recently in Germany for the CBIT conference, and uh, all of the taxis I took a ride in had very old school computer hooked up USB based uh, card scanners with Stripe. They didn't use the chip in the taxis. I, I'm not sure why, but you know that's a point where. Germans' cards or other Europeans visiting Germany could very easily have their card data stolen with malware on the computer system processing those cards, just like happens here in the U.S. And you know, we see that about 15% of our detections of card stealing malware are in Germany. And Germany's been on chip for a very long time. So this just being on chip doesn't make the problem go away. As long as we have the backward compatible, you know, uh, Stripe still on the card, a criminal can still steal that and use that to clone a card in a country that uses Stripes. And they're doing precisely that. What kind of opportunity then do you see for contactless transactions? Do you think that contactless EMV or contactless chip would make a difference? I was very skeptical of the contactless cards when I got my first one about six or seven years ago, going, ooh, you know, what's going to whom, and could somebody steal this, and what if I built a giant antenna? Like, could I read this from a mile away if I build something, you know, the size of my garage? And uh, I've done a lot of research on this over the last couple years, and it's really not as bad as people, I think, have in their head, right? The, the concept being, the banks limit the transaction amounts usually to 100 local currency, 100 US dollars, 100 euros, etc. And so... If there were to be fraud, one, it's going to be for a small item. Nobody's buying a boat with a tap to pay. So that's one good thing, right? And then people are worried about, well, somebody could touch me on the subway and steal my card number. Yeah, but they're not going to get enough information to make another card. They get enough information to make one transaction. And that one transaction literally can only be $100, and you couldn't perform a second transaction. And that's the key component. Unlike stealing the stripe on the back of your card and being able to run around and buy stuff all day, with tap to pay, the number changes every time you tap it because there's actually a computer chip inside your card. And because it changes, the criminal can only do it once and he won't know what the next number would be. And so you can't commit another transaction, which is great. And the third important thing is that the merchants accept all the liability in these scenarios. So as a consumer using it to buy your coffee in the morning or using it to use the subway or whatever you may be doing, um, you're not on the hook if there is any fraud. So it's fast, it's convenient, and you're not liable for the fraud. Uh, so those things combined make me a very big fan of it. And then one final thing, Chad, I'd like to ask you, and then I'll let you get back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about Apple Pay. Do you see this being the next direction for payments? Because Apple Pay, of course, is an EMV-compliant transaction, but it also has tokenization embedded into the solution. It's very U.S.-based at the moment, but do you see this kind of being the next wave or the next step that we'll be taking in payments? Um, I expect so. I mean, the real question is what we do for all the consumers in the world that don't have smartphones. But, uh, you know, I think we're thinking 5, 10, 15-year timescales, not 15-month timescales. And as a result, I do imagine this is where we're going to end up. It's significantly more secure than uh, the current tap pay standard that I was just talking about. Um, it's obviously miles ahead of things like Stripe technology. And it really is incrementally more secure even than the chip that's on the card. So even though it's a wireless transaction, this tokenization provides additional security that's not necessarily even present in a traditional chip transaction. So I hope and expect we're going to go that way, but there's a lot of players all wanting a piece of the payment card space, and whenever we shift to a new technology that none of us all have in our pockets already, when there's something new is coming along, everybody wants to get in on that game. So Apple may be first to market. We'll see how it plays out in the long run. Chet, I want to thank you for your time. Very informative. Thanks for having me. Again, we've just heard from Chet Wisniewski of Sophos. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.